everybody. Welcome to Table Talk, a place for honest conversations and getting to meet friends. I'm Betsy Thompson, and I am so excited to be hanging out today with Stuart Rothberg and Chuck Davenport. Thanks for coming to hang out, guys. Thanks, Betsy. It's going to be super fun. Um, if you've been watching and hanging out with us on Table Talk, we are almost done with our pastor search team, getting to meet everybody on that team. And these are two of the four staff members that are a part of that team. And um, we just want you to get to know them a little bit better. A lot of you probably know them, uh, but hopefully you'll learn something new today. So guys, again, thanks for coming to hang out. And thank you, I will say it, the church body is agreeing with me, I am sure. Thank y'all for being a part of the pastor search team. <laughs> it is an additional thing for you to take on the time, the energy, mental, physical, emotional, all of that. So thank y'all for doing that. Thanks, Betsy. Yeah, it's a blessing to be on the team, Yeah, for sure. I love that y'all are both on there so much. Okay, so Chuck, let's start with you. Just tell us family. Okay, so I am married to Marianne. Uh, we have a five-week-old son named CJ, Chuck Jr. He's and then precious. we have, yeah, we have a two-year-old daughter named Rosalie, and we call her Red because those are her initials. She's beautiful, so. too. Yeah. How long have you and Marianne been married um, now? Five and a half years. Okay. So I, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Sweet, precious family. Yeah. And again, I'll just say, y'all, he has a five-week-old? Yes. Five, five weeks. Five. Yeah. And he's said yes to Pastor Church team. <laughs> Love his heart. <laughs> and your wife for supporting for you sure. and oh, saying yeah. this is important. Yeah. yeah, she's all in. I love that. That's amazing. Stuart, family? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> oh, you want specific? Well, I can do it if, you forget, if you've forgotten. <laughs> uh, my wife is Sue, and we married in 1979. So I can't do the math, but it's over 40 Let's see. I was years born, or something. So you're at 40. Is it 45 this year, Stuart? Uh, the 45 best years of my wife's life. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, I say that because she's not here. <laughs> she will watch, Sue. I apologize. <laughs> I will try my best. No, listen, I will tell you this. Sue is just one of the wisest, yeah. kindest people. Yeah. And I was talking to her mentee in Beside oh, yeah. a week ago and was just telling her what a blessing it was that she got to be with Sue. Yeah. And here's the deal. Sue is an amazing teacher. Yeah, she's good. She's like, you're known for you're an amazing preacher. And you are. But man, Thank Sue's you. a great teacher. Yeah, she's excellent. She's really good. Yeah, and she's particularly gifted with children. Yeah. She's amazing with kids, yeah. adults too, but she has a real facility to communicate yeah. with young ones. She's awesome. I love her. She's yeah. great. She was a meteorologist what? in the military. I, didn't. I was what? a missionary in Germany yes. with a group called the Navigators. Yeah. And I met Sue at a uh, Bible study or something. Uh -huh. She came to this Bible study and begged me to marry her <laughs> soon thereafter. That part maybe not so true. But anyway, we met over there, came back to the States, got married, and uh, she finished up her Air Force time in Germany. Uh -huh. And then the two of us came back to the States. But she was a meteorologist, a weather forecaster. Who with knew? The, with, she was with the Air Force Weather Service, and they forecasted for Army pilots in Europe. That's wow. what she did. That, I didn't know that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Wow. You did good with her. That part's true. Absolutely. You did good with her. Yeah. And then y'all have three amazing boys. Three boys. 
wonderful daughters in love, yes. we call them, and six beautiful grandkids. Six grandkids. Three boys, three girls. That's nice that they keep it even for you. Yes. So that makes it nice. Very considerate. That's awesome. Okay, so Stuart, how long have you been at Sagemont? Almost 30 years. That's amazing. Coming, coming on 30 years. Yeah. Doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Tell me this. I think we here at Sagemont get very almost used to people saying, oh, I've been here 30 years. I've been here 40 years. I've been here 50 years. Yeah. We are very unique in that sense. Wouldn't you say that as a church, that is very unique to have uh, that longevity I, of people. I think you're right. Not every church has that. Yeah. And I attribute the stability of the church even through challenges that yeah. we've experienced uh, to that, mm -hmm. the longevity of its staff and membership. That's right. It is very interesting. I think we do, sometimes we just take that for granted <laughs> and be able to go, no, wait, yeah. that mm -hmm. is a enormous blessing of the Lord. So you know what this means, Betsy? What? Chucky needs to dig in yeah. and remove any options of being elsewhere. This is it for life. But Put me on the spot. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Listen, maybe listen to God. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe or just Stuart. That's awesome. So almost 30 years. Chuck, what were we talking about? You've been here. Seven, coming up on seven. So That's a really, but yeah. see, that's, that's a really good. long yeah. time too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because at a lot of churches, uh, I would be considered like a staff member who had been there a long time. Yes. But here at Sagemont, it almost feels like I haven't even arrived. Right, yeah. yes. Uh, which is just a mark of the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit here. Yeah. Like it's incredible. And you have done, uh, this is your show, Betsy. But no, go right ahead, Steve. Uh, just uh, such a <laughs> tremendous job yes. with college students. We, we had a college student ministry, but not anywhere near the extent to which we have now because of your great leadership. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Lord's been faithful. Mm -hmm. It's Thank so you. good. You do an amazing job. So when you first came on, what did you come on as? I can't even remember. So well, I came on as the college pastor. Okay. Uh, and the process, I had called one of my buddies. I was at a church plant in Katy. And I called one of my buddies who was raised here at Sage One. He had gone to church here. He had interned for a couple summers. And I had asked him, hey, can you pray for me? I feel pressed to shift from the role that I was in at the church plant in Katy. But I really didn't want to leave. Like, I didn't want to go. Because, I mean, when you're on staff somewhere, like, you're so invested in discipleship, so invested in families and, and the culture and uh, I loved it like and I was working with one of my best friends um, and so I called my buddy I was like can you pray for me and I, I don't know what steps to take moving forward and, and he prayed for me and he called me back 30 minutes later Sagemont had called him and offered him the opportunity to apply wow. for the position and he said no he was like he was already plugged in somewhere but I know a guy who would be wow. perfect for this role. Mm -hmm. And at that season, uh, I didn't feel pressed to step into a student ministry role, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know what any other role there could be. Right. Like, I, I, at the point that I was at where I was in in my walk with the Lord. And so he called me back, uh, just kind of went through the, the process and uh, came here and was just kind of like, put me in a room um, and I'll create disciples and we'll see what happens. Because I wanted to get to know the culture before we really started mm -hmm. implementing a bunch of different things. But yeah. it's gone great. You weren't married at that point. No, I wasn't. So I was on right. staff for a year. I was engaged. So I had a... I think it was 20 months, 18 months engagement with my, my wife. And so we had a long engagement. Yeah. Uh, it was great, but it was miserable. Right. Um, all in the same breath. Yeah. yeah. So I was here for a year um, and then we got married. Chuck, I will tell you, um, watching you grow over the last seven years that you've been here has been one of the neatest things that I will remember being at Sagemont. Mm -hmm. Like your purposefulness in 
learning and getting people to feed into you and to help you grow your openness to say hey i'm gonna teach somebody come watch me and then critique me right. in the best of ways and you're such a great example of that and then i see others learning that from you just by watching you mm -hmm. and the impact you're making on this next generation of it is a good thing to have people speak to you honestly and truthfully mm -hmm. and not just sugarcoat everything. Mm -hmm. So sure. you do an amazing job. Yeah. Well, the Lord's definitely convicted me uh, in discipleship, like just as you would extend a hand backwards uh, and you would train someone else up in righteousness that you should extend your hand forward mm -hmm. and you should ask someone to train you. So mm -hmm. he's been good to me. Yeah. You know, uh, one great. of the marks of uh, the gift of leadership is that people follow you. And uh, I think that just confirms your gift of leadership. Absolutely. Folks yeah. follow Chuck. Absolutely. You've done, it's been fun to watch Sagemont, you birthed and come to life and growing. Chuck E.D., Betsy. We have too many Chucks around here. It is hard. So from now on, yeah. Yeah. everyone e. should call him Chuck E.D. Chuck E.D., are you okay with that? <laughs> Doesn't matter. That's yeah. what I was going to yeah. say. I don't think that, yeah. I don't think that Stuart minds if it matters or not. Um, one thing, and knowing I was going to get to sit and hang out with y'all today, <clears throat> and knowing both of your stories, I thought it was very interesting that both of you came to a relationship with the Lord later in life, in your 20s. Yes. And um, just share a little bit about that, your salvation stories and how it has affected you now, how you relate to people, um, and that your experience with the Lord was in your 20s mm -hmm. and not as a seven-year-old in vacation Bible school or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so I was raised in a Jewish background, and that meant we always had a notion of the existence of God. Mm. There were no atheists in my family, at least that I knew of. But the notion of a personal relationship with this creator, that was absolutely foreign to mm. us. We had rich religion and tradition and all the rest. But the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, mm. that's just foreign to us. And so I lived by all the traditions mm -hmm. of our faith for many, many years until I became a teenager and was overcome with a terrible guilt mm -hmm. because in Judaism, we don't have just 10 commandments. We have 613, wow. which are offshoots of the 10. Wow. So I thought, good night on a good day. How am I doing? Mm -hmm. I'm not doing very good at all. Mm -hmm. So I just went to my parents and I said, I pretty much have had it with Judaism. Uh, I, I can't live up to these standards, so I don't want anything to do with it. Really? Well, they were quite disappointed, as you can imagine. Sure. But what are you going to do with a teenager? Right. You're going to let the kid go. So uh, I, I thought I had no interest in spiritual things, and that's because I didn't understand what spiritual things meant. Mm -hmm. What I was focused on was what is the purpose of life? Yeah. That is a deeply spiritual question. I didn't realize it. And so I went off on a quest to find an answer, and I did the things on a much smaller mm. scale that a famous predecessor of mine, Solomon, did. Um, try this, try that, experience this, experience that. All fleeting kinds of a thing, nothing that meets the need. At, and I came to the same conclusion he did. Vanity of vanities. It's all emptiness. And so wow. at that point, I started to think of suicide. Wow. Isn't that a... How old were you at um, that point? Uh, I was... Uh, probably 19 mm. or 20, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, w I was not uh, upset. I was not distraught. I just did an evaluation. Yeah. Life is just not good. Wow. It, I'm empty. What's the purpose of living? So uh, I was involved uh, 
our, our stories are somewhat similar. Yeah, yeah, I was right. involved in lots of drugs and drinking, which was terrible because my father was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and I did not want to repeat right. his uh, habits. But here I was, you know, the sins of the father kind of being visited on mm-hmm. the sons. And so I, I made recourse to, in fact, the same drink of choice that he chose. Really? There's all kinds of varieties of stuff. If you went into an, a liquor store, this is a good topic, isn't it, for sure, your thanks, listeners? Sure, <laughs> If you did, there are like hundreds of options. Sure. When I went, I chose the same thing my father mm-hmm. did. Well, I was just disgusted. I'm caught in the same mm-hmm. pattern and all the rest. And so I made two suicide attempts. Did you really? Yeah, in my early 20s. And failed miserably at both. I was very disappointed. But even then, think about it, Almighty God had his eye upon me. I, I came to know him at a certain point, but he knew me Absolutely. Uh, from before that yep. point. And so I met a guy in the military. I was a counselor of all things really? in the Air Force. So people would come in asking for help. Wow. Of me, I had no answers. One time a lady came in talking about emptiness, and I felt like saying, yeah, me too. Oh, gosh. But you can't do that. I had no (laughs) answers. So I did what a lot of counselors do when you don't have answers. You say, oh, I see our time is up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I did. And then I cried out to God in anger. I remember shaking my fist at God. I remember saying, I hate you. Mm. I didn't ask for this life. You gave it to me. I don't want it. Well, that's not exactly the Lord's prayer, but that was the first time at least I addressed him. And I think he wanted to be held responsible for the life he gave me. Two days later, I met a guy in the barracks, I'll just keep it short, Mm -hmm. who was a Christian. He became a friend of mine. He withheld the gospel on purpose Mm. until he developed a friendship. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a wise technique, it seems to me? And so at a certain point, I said to him, his name was Mark. I said, Mark, what makes you tick? He had something I didn't have. Now, how could there not be a difference if the creator of the universe is in your life? It ought to show. Well, it showed in his life. And I said, have you discovered some drug I don't know about? I'll try anything. He said, no, it's not a drug. And he shared his testimony uh, with me, how as a college student, he had accepted the Lord. And I'm listening because he's my friend, but thinking, oh, my goodness, doesn't he know I'm Jewish? One, two, doesn't he know my life is complicated enough without this Jesus? But I couldn't dismiss what he had told me. So the next day, I went to a bookstore and bought a Bible. I never held a full Bible, Old and New Testament, ever in my entire life. And I read it through from Genesis all the way through in three weeks. Wow. And I got two things out of it. I knew it was God's word. Mm. How? Yeah. On a deeper level than intellect. Mm-hmm. It was just a heart thing. Second, this Jesus claimed to be the source of an abundant life. I came to give life and give it abundantly. I know that's in John 10, 10 now, but I wanted to find it after I had mm-hmm. read it and I couldn't find it. But at the time, I wasn't interested in living an eternal life. I was looking for a reason to get up tomorrow. Right. Abundant life, full and meaningful. And my friend Mark told me, Stuart, you can't have it if you're separated from the source of it. And you are, said he, because of your sin. Anyway, wow. um, just to be brief, September 5th, 1973, remember it like it was yesterday, yeah. in the privacy of my barracks room, I said, God, if that's your name, 
I want to make a deal. Well, you cannot make a <laughs> deal with God. But I think I think he just shook his head and said, you don't know much, but I'll accept this. Sure. Here's the deal. If you do for me what you did for Mark, I'll give you the rest of my life. I realize I'm apart from you because of my sin, and I believe you died on the cross. Even for me, a Jewish person, would you change me? And man... He did. Wow. And I, I hope I've lived up to my end of the bargain yeah. as well. Isn't that amazing that even when before you knew him, and this is the thing we all, that's true for all of us, and it's so good to remember, that even before we know him, Correct. he knows us, and he is directing our steps to get us to the yes. place where he needs us to be to do the work that he has set before Timeless us. being. Yeah. No, he's not bound by past, present, right. and future. And that's why we Christians, it's a fun thing to do. Think back on the course of your life. How did all that happen? Yeah. But that God had his eye upon you. Absolutely. And then hopefully we get to a place when we're in the middle of the hard that we can look at it and go, he's using this. Yes. There is some reason that I, we, whatever, are walking through this. It is part of his plan. And then we look at things differently in the moment instead of just the looking back. Yes. And growing to do that. Let, let me I just, I want to hear Chuck's story. But, but just let me tell you, both my parents accepted the Lord. They're both really? with him now. But both did. And... Um, Many of my relatives That's over the amazing. years have, have accepted the Lord. And I have been drug and alcohol free since 1973. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. That is so great. That's amazing. So, Chuck, you were older as well. Yeah, I was 20 whenever I got saved. Yeah. Uh, and so my story, a lot happened uh, in about a two to three year time span. Mm -hmm. Sports was everything growing up. Family was everything growing up. I had like a good set of friends. Uh, I had family around me and some friends around me who knew about Jesus and they talked about Jesus, uh, but I never really submitted. Um, I didn't necessarily want to go to hell, but I also didn't want to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and so got to about 17, 18. Uh, football was a huge part of my identity. Didn't get the opportunities that I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. And I kind of started diving deeper and deeper into drug culture and party culture and fighting culture. That was a big thing about the group that I ran with uh, is we enjoyed a scuffle. Like it's just like what we did. Uh, and over kind of from 17 years old to 20, it was just a snowball effect. And, mm -hmm. and what I did was I had a lot of insecurities, a lot of insecurities but you couldn't talk about them. Mm -hmm. There was no space to okay. process and, and talk through. It was very much so like an alpha culture. And so if you were to talk about those things, you would be viewed differently. And so the way that I masked it was addiction. And so I had a bunch of different addictions that I went to, uh, specifically uh, drugs and alcohol and lust. And then I would say adrenaline, like mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that uh, adrenaline rush, whatever, wherever I could seek it out, uh, the mm -hmm. adrenaline was something that I saw. And so I would start lying and I would dive into these addictions and whenever I would lie, uh, people would call me out. So I would talk about, yeah, I do that drug or yeah, I can fight or yeah, I can drink this, drink that. Yeah, I can do this. And then they would be like, okay, well, let's go do it. Mm. And then I would have to kind of live up to the lie that I had spoken. And so that's really what got me deep into mm. all of it. Uh, and then I just started choosing to uh, 
get more involved. And so an example would be I got to a point where whenever I did stop drinking, I had like full body cramps because my body was wow. dependent on it. Wow. And uh, whenever uh, I started diving into the drug culture, all of a sudden my money couldn't feed the habit. And so we started uh, robbing local dealers and uh, mm-hmm. robbing local drug dealers. And, and there was one specific moment. The reason I share that I was with somebody uh, that I had known from my childhood. He was about four or five years younger uh, than me. And we were going, we had robbed one of the local dealers. And whenever we were driving off, he looked at me and he was like, you know, we're not going to stop till we're dead or in jail. Uh, My mindset was I never wanted to end up in jail. And so the only other option was death. And I remember laying down at night uh, that night specifically and realizing there's no way I'll enter heaven. Like if I were to pass away. Um, and so that was kind of the, the starting of me processing and thinking about eternity. Fast forward about six months to a year. It all kind of is hazy in that time frame. I had a friend pass away uh, and still was kind of building upon those addictions and those lies and all those different things. And my my friend set had gone from... Uh, kind of shallow end of the drug culture. So they were starting to get into the deep end. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we started messing with was hallucinogenics. And so I lied, right? I said, yeah, man, I've done all that. Like Mm -hmm. I've, I've like, it's a habit. Like it's something that I do all the time. And and so whenever the opportunity came, uh, there's a a certain amount that people would take. Well, I took about six to seven times that amount. And, and so I, I took the hallucinogenics, um, and instead of hallucinating for about five to six hours, I hallucinated for about five months off and on. And so you could imagine my mom, my sister, my dad, uh, specifically my mom and my sister were very, very, uh, influential in that season Mm -hmm. because I was paranoid. I would be at the grocery store and I would hear something that wasn't said. Mm. Like you'd be standing behind me. We'd be in line. I would turn towards you and I'd be like, what'd you say? Yeah. And then you would be like, why is this huge guy right. like looking at me? Look like he hasn't slept in, in multiple yeah. days. And he's wondering why I said something and I didn't say anything. Yeah. And so my mind was just in a, a really dangerous place. I couldn't sleep. I was constantly thinking of things. And my mom, so, so gracious and my sister, so, so gracious, let me like stay with them and kind of bounce back and forth. Well, one day my mom kind of looked at me and sat me down. She's like, Chuck, like there's something wrong. Like there is really, really mm-hmm. something wrong with you and you need to get help. Yeah. And so I'd kind of pushed her to the limit, understandably, with where I was being with me for that amount of time. And I think I went into my room and I was hit with that reality. And I think for the first time I realized there's something wrong with my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't control it. Um, and so I just got on my bed and I remember being suicidal similarly and I didn't have anything to live for all of a sudden the sports were gone the friends were gone because I'd burned bridges like and and people were uh, nervous being around me because I was so paranoid and so I was laying down and I recalled some of the friends that I had in high school who were Christians Mm -hmm. and they were very loving they were very full of grace I prided myself in getting people who didn't party into the party culture. And so that was like, I was the guy who helped like plan the parties and life of the party, I enjoyed it. Um, And so what I would do is is I would invite people all the time, come, 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 come. Well, there was a couple people specifically, they would look at me and they would say, I want to, 
um, but I can't glorify Christ and be in that space. Mm-hmm. Very mature answers for yeah. high school students. Um, and, and so I, I remembered at 20 years old, right, a couple years after being graduated from high school, those individuals and the peace that they had and the obedience that they had. I remembered some of my family members and, and what my parents had told me my whole life. And I was just kind of like, all right, Jesus, like if you're real, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I don't have anything to offer you, Mm. like anything, like culturally, I have nothing to bring. Like my mind is gone, like I'm broken and I come before you and and I just ask that you would save me, like that you would help me. And it was very emotional. And I remember the way I explain it is I felt for the first time from like my hair follicles to my toes, like a piece. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. Like I was just laying in the, I was laying in the bed. I felt peace. And I remember thinking to myself, like what just happened? Uh, And I was like, I'm going to go to sleep. And if I wake up and I feel the same, we'll move on with whatever uh, the next steps are. So I go to sleep, I wake up and I feel super, super convicted very quickly, like very quickly after surrendering to the Lord that I've been leading people to hell my whole life. Mm. And now it's time to lead people to him. Wow. And I went to my mom and I told her that. Um, and everyone was kind of like taken aback. My dad sure. sat me down and he was like, look, you can really be half in, half out in all these different vocations. But when it comes to ministry, you can't. Like mm. You have to be all in if you're going to be serving the Lord. Very wise words um, mm. that he gave me. So I go to East Texas Baptist University and a huge part of my testimony is I was there my first semester and then my second semester my father passed away. Mm-hmm. And so my like story when it comes to following the Lord that season, I relapsed. I went back to the drinking, back to the drugs, um, back to the habits of seeking the adrenaline. Uh, but the body of Christ didn't give up on me. People reached out to me. Mm-hmm. People loved on me, text, voicemails, phone calls. Uh, I ended up coming back a couple months later. But in that season is whenever I really learned like dependency on Jesus mm-hmm. and how important that is, like that daily devotion. And so it, it was a, a whirlwind of about three to four years where the Lord really humbled me and molded me and shifted me and saved me and just kind of been running the race ever since. What a change. I love how God used people in y'all's lives. Yes. And even people that didn't know he, you didn't know that God was using them until later. And it's that thing of God tells us to plant the seeds. Yeah. And then we might get to see the harvest. Yes. We get, it's awesome when we get to see the harvest, but he's, he calls us to obedience, not the results. Yeah. And to get to see in both of y'all's lives that people were obedient to the Lord. And now you're like, man, if you could go back to him now and say, thank you. Look how God used y'all Yes. and yeah. how change in my life so that God could use me. And it wasn't in church for either of right. us. Right. Yeah. Which and, is and so and cool. The gospel should, should go forth. People should have an opportunity Absolutely. to respond. But sometimes I think we're too dependent on a... What happens in church? Right. We're supposed to not just come to church, but be the church. Absolutely. I wouldn't have been reached if right. that fella in the barracks wasn't a faithful representative mm-hmm. of Christ. I wasn't going to any church at right. that point. Yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Which I think is so neat because both of you reach out, even as being ministers and pastors in a church, you both have a reach that goes far beyond the walls of the church. And I'm sure that is very purposeful for yeah. both of you because of your story. Well, there's others like us out there. Absolutely. And they're not going to come to church. Yeah. We have to reach them. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the best? I love that so, so, so much. Um, I could ask y'all a million other questions, but I know we have to be good about our time. So one, just again, 
Thanks for being a part of the pastor search team. And y'all, hopefully you learned something new about Stuart and Chuck. And y'all, the thing that just keeps running through my mind as I'm listening to these two men tell their story is my prayer is that somebody listens to this today and decides they need to get right with the Lord. And I will tell you, both of these guys will answer your call. Oh, yeah. They will sit. They will talk with you. They will share with you. They will encourage you. They will walk beside you. And I love that about both of you, that y'all's purpose is so others come to know the Lord. Yeah. Like, that's why y'all do what you do. And yours too, Betsy. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. good stuff. I mean, gosh, yeah, it's, this was so encouraging. And I know you guys, but to really just get to hear you share your story mm. was beautiful. Thank y'all, one, for your honesty, your vulnerability. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. a lot of words. Um, but thank y'all so much for coming. And again, thanks for being a part of the Pastor Search team. We are praying. We are excited. Yeah. It's going to be super cool to see how God does all of that. So, y'all, yes. thanks for hanging out today. When you see these guys walking around, go up and tell them thank you. Uh, just for all that they do for this church and for the Lord all over the place. So, thanks for hanging out at Table Talk. We will see you next time. Bye.